0: Welcome to the Expansive CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Chapman, founder of Expansive CEO and X Squared Wealth Planning. Buckle in as we explore how to create true prosperity and build a business and a life that expands beyond yourself and makes a dent in the universe. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Expansive CEO Podcast, our next installment of investment friday with chief investment officer brad haynes um who's the chief investment chief investment officer of juncture wealth strategies brad what's going on it is december 21st i know can you
1: you believe that Zier is gone
0: um no because i have three children and um still only like 75% of their Christmas presents taken care of. We did the thing, um, earlier this week, my husband and I, where we got out all the presents to see, cause there are three of them. So there has to be like similar number of presents, make sure that everything, you know, like kind of equal treatment across the board. Yeah. So we have, uh, we have some gaps to fill there. Oh, <laughs>
1: That's always fun.
0: Right. Um, but they're so funny. So I want to tell this story before we get started cuz it's so sweet. Um my 8-year-old Hazel, my youngest, she you know, she made a Christmas list and what, like she really didn't have a lot on there. Um and she just keeps saying it's not about the presents, it's about family. Oh. I just want you guys. I just want you guys for Christmas and like like so sweet. Like, "Oh, you're so You're so so nice and also like, what do you want so that you don't have nothing?
1: (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Now to to the reality, mommy, daddy really want you to be happy on Christmas morning,
0: right? Yeah, because Clara, my oldest, she had she had a list of things, mostly clothes. She's very into fashion right now. So wanted to, you know, have different clothing items and gift cards to different stores and different things like that so that was fun and then Henry my middle um 10-year-old he got a new he's not going to listen to the podcast so he got a new keyboard for his uh for his computer um like a Excellent. cool a cool gaming one you know that kind of thing so it's like yeah I, I, we want you to you know have have some new stuff that's fun and enjoyable right that's and uh contribute to the consumer spending i guess (laughs) hey
1: congratulations anna we appreciate the chapman household really supporting the u.s economy right like that's we're doing our
0: we're doing our part um for this year so what about you are you guys ready
1: Uh, so it's interesting my wife and i are very systematic as you can probably imagine we have a google docs and we have different categories with the different Different people we need to purchase for, which used to be just kids, but now there are significant others, wives, fiancés, all the like. Um, And so then we have who's giving it to them. So we have to make sure all the boxes are marked and we know what we got them. Because there has been times in the past where we did what you did and it's like, oh, did you no, I didn't. Did you know? And certain kid, it's a Christmas Eve dash to get something where they would and and fortunately our kids have such varied interests that we were able always to get they always had many likes, many desires. And so it was easy to fill, but but it was like, oh goodness gracious. So yeah, we're we're pretty much done, I think. Um there's a few few things i think we need to button up and and definitely wrap everything um as i've talked about i have two little dogs so if i put the presents wrapped under the tree now uh pretty much guarantee that they would not be wrapped in about 20 seconds
0: right yes yeah we had to on our christmas tree there are no ornaments about 4 feet and below Yep. Because the dogs can reach the things and every once in a while, when they get a wild hair of like, you know, I'm going to take this off the tree and eat it like, Hey, no. <laughs> so.
1: it, it's like, well, it smells like metal tastes like metal. It must be edible. No, yeah, right? that's going to hurt you. <laughs>
0: so Seriously. So anyway, yes, it is. I am still mildly like shocked that we are here already. It's almost Christmas next year, you know, 2024 is literally right around the corner. Um, And yeah, so I know you've got your 2024 look ahead report coming out soon. We've been talking about it the last couple of weeks so that everyone who wants one can make sure they let us know that um, to get on the list to get that 2024 look ahead. Um, So yeah, I wanted to dive into a couple of topics there. So first what's happening in the markets, what's going on. And then let's talk a little bit about some of those really important points that we're going to need to know for 24.
1: Perfect. So I'm going to jump in right into it. This this week has been wonderful in the equity and the bond markets. Uh, bond yields have continued to fall. Um, and that has helped the equity markets go, go up. In fact, the S&P 500 at record levels, you have... Um, the Russell 2000, which is represents 2000 small stocks, so the smaller, lesser, well-known companies, um, have also reached a, a pretty decent high level. I mean, they're up 17% in the last month, so really a, a, a very broad, since October 19th, which we've discussed why October 19th was an important date um, in prior podcasts, but since that date, the equity rally has been very broad, okay? So the earlier condition of very narrow eight stocks, that transitioned significantly on October 19th. Um, So very, very good. Now, are we a little ahead of ourselves? Probably with some of the cap-weighted or capitalization-weighted large cap indices, we're probably a little bit ahead of ourselves. Um, given what's what's how how well they did earlier in the year, um, but small cap international, many of the other sectors are still uh, pretty inexpensive, relatively speaking. So it's been a great week. Uh, it's probably helped a lot of people with their you know holiday spending that they feel wealthier because now their 401k balances, their brokerage accounts are now showing higher values than they have in quite some time. And so it makes them feel better about that going forward.
0: Mm. And so again, let's see. We have um, a couple of holidays, uh, market holidays coming up, right, where markets will be closed. Um, so we might see more volatility because of the thinner trading. Has that been um, true over the last week, yes. or is that mo- mostly that we're gonna what, what we're gonna going to see over the next 9, 10 days?
1: Absolutely, um, that really has already began. Has already already begun, where volumes have started dropping off. But it really will drop off significantly starting probably tomorrow, which is the twenty second. Um, you're going to have pretty much everybody on vacation between now and the be- and the and New Year's, and so that the volume the next the next week or so, I wouldn't pay really too much attention to anything. In terms of pricing of what goes on in the markets, because most people are uh, in the developed world is, are, are are paying attention to the holiday season, and so the volumes are going to be really really light, which means the price movements are going to be quite could be quite dramatic. Um, I hope not, but they could be. So,
0: okay, and so as we are. Again, like this next very next thing, right, is we're rolling into 2024. And um, I got a really good question from Bob in Huntsville. Thank you, as always, for sending such good questions all the time. And um, he was asking, what does another four years? So we're talking 2024. We've got a presidential election coming up. So we're kind of shifting into... What happens with the markets with presidential elections? And so his question was, what happens with another four years of a President Biden term, so another Democratic uh, term, or if there's a Republican or potentially Donald Trump presidency again? Um, what does that mean for an investor's portfolio? And is that really something to be concerned about? or is it more, um, you know important to, you know, talk to your financial advisor in those times. And so I love this before you get started. I love this because I love the statistics around um, like what happens during presidential terms and like the election year kind of statistics as well. I always find it so fascinating to look at the charts that go along with this because it's always um, people are always surprised. No matter how much we talk about it, people are always surprised at like, "Oh, right. uh, that's not that's not what I expected." Like, I know, isn't it cool?
1: <laughs> so yeah, tell us, it is it is very different. I mean, you know, um, I'll share some slides if you want to if you want to hand over the power um, for me to share my screen because uh, it's it's always surprising to people when they. Um, see, when they see what kind of returns can be had. So, um, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling every single, and and I think it's every four years. Um, okay. Can you see the, uh, wrong slide?
0: I see an election stock return slide. Which one? Okay. Would you- perfect. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. Perfect. That's what I want you to see. All right. So,
0: um, I'm just gonna so we're looking at for everyone who is just listening we are actually looking at some of the slides in the uh in brad's 2024 look ahead report um so we've got a whole section in here on election years stock market returns um and yeah so that's again if you want that just Send us an email. Um, we'll give you that information in a little bit, but yeah, we're looking through a little bit of that. So, Brad. Okay,
1: so um, this gives you. So, this is. Uh, this was. This is put out by a company called Crandall and Crandall and Crandall Pearson Company, and they are they do an excellent job with finance, uh, investment market statistics, and historical perspectives and the, and the like, I mean, they do a really, really good job um, on, on that type of that type of data. Whoa, something happened.
0: Everyone is having, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. This is hilarious. Three of my meetings today. I've had four meetings, three, three out of, Nope. Four out of five meetings today. Someone's computer went uh, haywire.
1: Okay. <laughs> what is going on? Okay. Okay. Can you see it now?
0: No, not yet.
1: Okay. Hold on just a moment.
0: I feel like we're in a Verizon commercial.
1: We are. Can you see me now?
0: <laughs> yep. Can you all hear me right. now? Yep. There we go. Now we're back. All right.
1: All right. We're back. Okay. So this and, and so this chart on the right, this illustration gives you uh basically since 1948, all of the election cycles, all of the results and the subsequent returns in the equity markets. So what's interesting is you can see here the average return. So the average return of the calendar year in which an election takes place is if the incumbent party won, the average is a little over 13% per, per year. Okay, That was the equity market return. If the incumbent lost, it was less than 8%.
0: But still positive
1: still positive still a a, actually pretty good return okay still positive now calendar years after the election right so 2025 is what we're discussing now is the year after what happened the average if the incumbent party won was 15 and a half percent roughly not bad that's actually really really good and then if it if the incumbent party lost 8%. 8%. So roughly the same neighborhoods for the first two years in terms of, you know, you had a thir- little over 13% and then 15 and a half percent. And then you had slightly under 8% and basically 8% for the, for the for the next, if the incumbent lost. The reason that is, is because equity markets don't like uncertainty. And when you change a presidency, there is more uncertainty if they're of a different party and generally they are um, so that is a that's a that can be a problem again i, I always I always make the comment to clients and centers of influence is the equity markets don't really care what the rules are as long as we know the rules yeah and so um, that's something just to keep in mind this obviously has had a lot of republican a lot of democratic presidencies all mixed in here and so these are the averages across all of them and bear in mind the la- the average return is basically 11 percent over all, all those time periods all right so now this is always the surprising one is the the makeup of congress versus the prep the administration okay mm-hmm. what does you know like to bob's question if biden a democrat wins what does that portend for the equity market returns well let's look okay so here are two two democratic two democratic presidencies and one over here okay
0: so we're looking at we're looking at another chart and what it's splitting out is what happens um with the makeup of congress and the presidency so we've got the president on top And then the next line is the Senate. Is the Senate Republican or Democratic um, controlled? And then the House. Is the House Republican or Democratic controlled? So when we're looking um, at the columns, then the first column is what if it's a Republican president, Republican Senate, Republican House? What does that look like? Next one, Democratic uh, all the way down, president, Senate, House. And then what happens if we're split? Democratic president with Republican Senate and House. And then flip flop. So that's what this chart is showing. Um, so go ahead. Yes, and
1: it gives you the average equity market returns during those compositions, right? So, uh, you know, an example: if you have all Democrat uh, Democrats in control of both the administration, the Senate, and the Republican part, or and the the House, the average the average equity market return during that time is eleven point six percent. Not bad. is a pretty good return. Now, if we have a a Democratic president and a Republican Congress, so both Senate and House are Republican, your average rate of return is 18.5%. Yep. So this is skewed a little bit by the Clinton years, okay? So let's just put that out there that when Clinton had... You know, some Republican the, the equity markets did very very well, and so but what it what it tells you is it's it's usually a pretty good uh, a pretty good composition for equity markets. Now, coming over to a Democratic head or Democratic president with a split Congress, you still average sixteen percent per year. Again, very decent returns. Now, what does the best? Again, it's the Democratic administration with Republican-controlled Congress. What does the worst? What's the composition that gives you the worst equity return, which, by the way, is still positive at 8.5%, is a Republican president with the Democratic-controlled Congress, both the Senate and House of Representatives. That gives you the worst return at 8.5%. So let's go back to Bob's question. Um what do, what happens if president biden's reelected for the next 4 years well it, it can depend a lot about, a lot upon what happens in congress um but generally speaking we're it seems like we're going to have a pretty decent if if president biden gets reelected we already know the rules that he's put out we already know the programs that he's already imp- starting to implement those policies would more likely than not continue um, with some variations, if if Congress is now Republican controlled, uh, both houses, not just one, um, then we would probably be in a good for a decent a decent return from the equity markets. Now, let's overlay that on today, where additionally next year we have uh, lowering interest rates, we have um, inflation coming down to target areas. Um, that that portends very, very well for equities going forward. So in 2024, equity markets, we would expect to broaden out to include small cap, mid cap, um, international markets more than they have in 2023. The, the top level, the large cap capitalization weighted indices may not do as well as they have this year, but I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to do okay. I think what's going to happen is you have a correction in that composition where some of those smaller companies or, you know, large, but not quite as large as the trillion dollar plus companies, um, they start to catch up a little bit with with those mega cap or mega cap eight or spectacular seven, whatever however you want to refer to them. But so far from a from a political standpoint. It, it looks like it's going to be a pretty decent year, 2024 and into 2025. Um, now, one, one interesting dynamic, which has happened, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's the first time I've ever had this happen, which is where um, you've had a state, the state of Colorado, their Supreme Court, earlier this week, uh, ruled that Trump cannot be on the ballot in the state of Colorado because of his uh, participation or incitement of the January 6th um, insurrection. Now, that ruling happened from the, the Supreme Court of Colorado earlier this week. There are 12 other states that have similar suits going on. Uh, a a couple of those are swing states. Mm. So it's, uh, I think it it comes down to is if these states rule that he cannot be on the ballot, then you're going to have Trump uh, probably go independent as the Republican Party will drop him as the nominee um, because they will effectively lose. Uh, They'll, they're just giving Biden the, the, the election, they're they're literally yeah. giving him the election. So it'll be interesting to see. Now, I uh, I know that the Trump campaign has appealed to the Supreme Court of the United States. Um, they the Supreme Court has not decided whether they're going to accept that appeal or not. They don't have to, mm-hmm. um, but if they do, and if they rule that the state of Colorado is within its rights to omit him from the ballot, then effectively what the Supreme Court has done is eliminated Trump from the from the, uh, the race. Because what'll happen is if it's federally legal to do that, and if Colorado as a, as a state has the right to determine who's gonna run in their state, then all of the states with lawsuits going forward Unless there is a specific state statute, we'll also be able to eliminate him from the ballot. So it will be again all of those machinations. I'm not a uh, by. I'm not a legal expert. I don't know the validity of any of these arguments. So don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what I think is may or may not happen. Just the messenger. So, yeah, don't shoot the messenger. But what what we'll do tying this back into the economy and to the financial markets is this will cause some volatility because it's more uncertainty, right? More uncertainty causes equity investors to be a little more um, safety seeking. They they, they they get more concerned about risk and, and that inevitably um, makes them position their portfolios a little more conservative than they otherwise would. Um, and again, I think this is going to be a theme of 2024 as we roll into one of the major advertising years in in a four-year period. Political campaigns are massive advertising uh, organizations, and it's going to cause some volatility, uh, particularly if we have some, some more legal wranglings and it starts to... Um, create problems on a, on a, on the primary front.
0: So one of the things, those um, charts kind of tying this back into the charts that you shared as well. One of the things that always jumps out at me is that from a policy standpoint, what the equity markets like is gridlock. Yes. Because when you, especially when you have a democratic president and a Republican Republican uh, controlled House and Senate, which is what we saw during Obama's presidency, right? That was like almost nothing got done. Yep. And actually, this year as well, um, one of the statistics I heard recently was that this was one of the least productive years in the House of Representatives that there has ever been, as far as like actual laws getting pushed through, drafted, approved, anything. Like they have done so little work because there's been so much gridlock. Um, And so to your point of, you know, the equity markets like stability. They like it when, you know, regulation is maybe like, whether you want regulation or not, like nothing can get passed through the House or the Senate and to the president's desk. So I guess we're just, you know, we're just humming along and everything's going to stay relatively the same. Right. That's that's what that is showing and what i think is super interesting in all of this is that even in um the the averages the overall averages right are still in that eight and a half plus percent per year like even in the quote-unquote worst case scenario that it's still a positive average return over time and so there's there's something to be said for, okay, yeah, maybe gridlock is quote unquote best for equity markets. Is that actually best for, you know, policy making and running our com- country and being able to pass budgets, for example, and not let the government shut down, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah.
1: I, I mean, this is the least productive for many, 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 year, many years this has been the least productive Congress and their approval rating is one of the lowest. Uh, I I mean, I think there's a general feeling among many voters that both Republicans and Democrats need to need to get voted out and start over because the people we have in there are not focused on the things with the American people are. They're focused on the extremes in both of their parties uh, their vocal minorities are are overshadowing what the central tendency of the voter base in the United States is. And so th- I, I, I'm i not, um, I mean, we have, to your point, we have gridlock, right? Well, guess what? We have pretty soon, the next couple of months, we're going to have to have another budget talk, budget conversation, because they're going to have to extend the debt limit again. Well, you know, uh, we'll see if they can get it done. We'll see, it, 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 particularly in a an election year. Usually election years are, from a legislative standpoint, not great. Um, but this year it seemed like they put, pulled it forward a year and everybody started campaigning far earlier than normal. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, but it is going to cause some volatility. And, you know, uh, certain people, again, they're going to think the world is ending because their opposing political party may be saying one thing or another. And really, at the end of the day, it, it's not affecting, it won't affect the markets nearly as much as they think. Um, we have some really good momentum in certain areas. Um, we have some onshoring. We have some manufacturing growth that is happening, we have, I mean, there's a lot of good things happening in the US economy and we are gonna go through a slow period. Um, I don't think it's gonna be a disaster, but I do think it's gonna be a slow period of slightly positive, slightly negative um, GDP growth or real GDP growth. And then that's going to accelerate with, as yields come down and as interest rates come down, That'll begin to re-accelerate here, second half of 2024. But again, equity markets look forward nine to 12 months. So a lot of that stuff is being priced in, um, which is why I'm saying we're going to have a good year, but it's going to be in those areas that have been beaten up the most. Small cap, real estate, um, financials, industrials possibly, and some international.
0: And the so the 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 kind of final thought I would love to um kind of tease out and um talk with you about like this year now we we have one more week. Next week we're gonna do an awesome episode about what risk actually is from your perspective as a financial risk manager, um, which is FRM designation. Not very many people have that. Um so I always thought that was kind of cool um to be able to talk with you about risk in that way um so that'll be next week but for the most part this year has is pretty much coming to a close and uh returns are positive right where things are up quite a bit and so one of the things that i think is always so interesting and and maybe we can look at this next week as well um different charts of what was the worst data point in the year right what was what was our where were we the most negative in 2024 or where, you know, the least positive positive. Um, and to like always be able to pull back out into the bigger view, the bigger perspective of, you know, your worst data point in the year is almost never, or maybe has never been the place where the year ends up when all is said and done.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really great point. Um, and, and there's a, there's a chart that shows, um, like your worst return within that year and then where you end up and it's, Mm -hmm. it's vastly different most of the time. Um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting part that when people panic, when the, the equity market's going down, it's like, there's a couple things you can do, but you can also just wait it out. Um. Now, that's different if you're living on your assets. and if you are living on your assets, please talk to your uh, financial professional, your investment, your financial planner about how to not get into the point where your equity mar- your equity portfolio goes down too much for you to take distributions. You can, there's things we can do around that to make sure you don't go down past that 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 point of no return. But for the most part, for people that are, you know, saving, investing, and growing their 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 investment base. Um, you know, the day to day, month to month volatility really uh, doesn't make that much of a difference. In fact, I had a client, I had a, a friend of mine from high school, who would look at his four hundred one k too much. He would look at it all the time, and he would get worried about the ups and downs. Okay, so I started telling him, look at it once a year, 1231 of every year. Look at your 401k and then you can record it. And over a 20 to three year period, it has slowly come up to a very, very nice level because you don't panic. You just let it grow over a longer period of time. And that's why, you know, financial planners often say it doesn't matter what you own. It's just time in the market, right? You want time in the market. That's how you're going to grow your net worth and your investable assets.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, um, that comes back to that point of, you know, having someone, you know, if you do have assets that are at a level that they need to, they need to be managed. They need to be watched having that professional eye over it. So it's not it's not just sitting there. I've also had people come to me who had, you know, pretty big accounts that were actually in cash and not invested. They're like, "What? I thought that was invested." Oh, no, no, that's just been sitting in cash for years, uh doing nothing. I've seen it multiple times. It's not yeah. like a like, oh, that's happened once. No. Um
1: That happens more than you would think.
0: It does. Uh, it's very, right? It's like it's surprising there, you know, people are like, well, I put it into a 401k or I put it into an IRA. Like that's the thing, right? Like, no, no, we have, there's another step beyond that of doing the actual investing. Um, but even just for someone who maybe doesn't know, maybe their dividends have been going to cash for 20 years. And like, Why, you know, why has that been happening? Um, these are all choices that we have to intentionally make. So being able to from the individual investor level, manage your own, you know, manage the stress of, you know, if it's stressful to look at your accounts all the time and you do want to like then make emotional decisions because of that input, right? Like that's where having that, you know, extra set of eyes or multiple and, you know, in our case at Juncture, multiple sets of eyes, taking care of the day-to-day, even the month-to-month, you know quarter to quarter we're looking at things regularly so that our clients can not be you know have let that okay i've outsourced that stress basically i've put it somewhere else so that i'm not the one making those decisions on a day to day basis or like having that emotional reaction and then trying to make a decision based on that versus based on the the overall economic data Which is what we're talking about now.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So there we go. Final, final plug. Um, But I will do one final plug actually for um, your look ahead report for 2024. So if anyone wants that, you can email me um, directly. I'll give you my X squared email that's Hannah, H A N N A H dot Chapman, C H A P M A N at X, the numeral two wealthplanning.com. Um, so you can let me know that you'd like to receive that report and we'll get it sent out to you. Or Brad, how can people get a hold of you?
1: You can email me at Brad Haynes or excuse me, Haynes, B H A I N E S at JunctureWealth.com.
0: All right. Well, Brad, I hope you have a beautiful, very merry, happy, wonderful Christmas and a wonderful new year that we'll talk to you before the new year, but I won't talk to you before Christmas. So
1: That's correct. Well, I hope you guys have a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And uh, we will talk to you next week about risk,
0: risk, risk, risk. All right, everyone have a wonderful holiday. We will be back soon. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening and be sure to like and subscribe. And again, if anything resonated with you from this episode, I would love to hear from you. Email me at Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, at expansiveceo.com, and tell me about it. And if you're ready for your greatest expansion, you can find ways to work with me at expansiveceo.com and at xsquaredwealthplanning.com. That's X, the numeral two, wealthplanning.com. So until next time, remember that there is enough. You are enough. And your birthright in this lifetime is to be expansive.